We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. Despite podcasting's growing popularity from both a creative and listenership perspective, it's still quite unknown by many. Been around only 20 years, give or take, and has been growing steadily. The format has really come into its own over the past six years or so and is expected to become a $100 billion industry before this decade is over. Podcasts are growing globally. Latin America is rapidly developing Spanish language content and the Asian market, especially India and China, are also quickly rising, adding countless other languages to the podcasting mix. In fact, as of this recording, non-English speaking podcasts outnumber English speaking ones. If you're thinking about producing your own podcast or simply want to learn more about this rapidly growing and ubiquitous media format, this podcast could be for you. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 181, PH Factor, We Resurrect. So, you think you can podcast? You can. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. What we thought we would do today is... Mm -hmm. For those of us who are not 100% positive that podcasts are actually real things, Mm. we're going to go into what a podcast is. We're going to do a podcast 101 for people, especially the seniors out there who, when faced with the idea of a podcast, don't know where the hell to start, Mm. where the hell to go, Mm -hmm. how do you get to a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm going to do today, folks, is I'm going to interview our resident expert on podcasting, so-called expert. He wouldn't call himself that. Anyway, so you're going to teach today with your answers to these questions. Okay. All right. So the very first question, what is a podcast? It's basically an audio file that's available for downloading. So think of it as a radio program or radio snippet that you would listen to in the form of an actual file. For example, this podcast, we're recording it. It will then be available for downloading on the internet, primarily for computers and mobile devices. Right. It's an audio file that you can subscribe to. So every time that it's produced, a particular audio file or podcast is of interest to you, it will automatically be downloaded to your computer or your device. So it's like getting a regular radio program piped into your radio. Exactly. Except it's not your radio, it's your computer or your iPhone or your iPad. Yes. Okay. So what's the difference then between podcasting and radio broadcasting? Well, first of all, the restriction level on podcasts is far less than radio. Radio is governed by the CRTC in Canada, for example. Podcasts are a little bit more open than that. Really, there's no governing body at this point. Mm -hmm. Other than putting an explicit marker on your podcast, you can pretty much talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. Of course, there are some legal lines that you can cross, but that's a whole other topic. But in general, it's the Wild West still. Yeah, basically that's what it is. It's still a fairly new format. The origins of podcasting on the internet began around 2003, 2004, but really didn't take hold for many years later. And the real push has been in the last half dozen years or so. Mm-hmm. The last two or three being very significant in terms of the increase. And do we know what the impulse was for the first podcast? Why did it start? The word pod. Mm-hmm was taken from iPod when Steve Jobs and uh, actually before that, but Steve Jobs 
And the iPods that came out of Apple were the primary reason that podcasting was developed because you could now carry these audio files in your pocket. Uh So think of them as songs, only instead of music, they're actually people speaking. Okay. And that's where the whole phenomenon began because you could now portably transport these files to people directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you could now go outside the realm of a regular radio station where you had to tune into a station on a radio. Right. You now had the capability in your own pocket Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to listen to select items. What about the content in comparison between podcasting and radio? Well, first of all, podcasting tends to be much more focused. Typically, it's on a specific subject. So it could be on crocheting. It could be on how to make pies. It could be on any number of subjects. But typically, it focuses on that subject. And you're not getting a bunch of news and weather Mm -hmm. forecasts and other things interspersed along with ads, Mm -hmm. although they're attempting to do some of that now with ads uh, on some podcasts. We can talk about that in a bit. When I was researching my book about the circus, Mm. I found some podcasts that are specifically on circus life, circus characters, circus owners, and all these interviews were happening, but it was all about the circus. So that's something you don't really find on the radio. No. That's focus. Yeah, there's no limit to what you can create. The question is whether anyone's listening. Right, right. So we'll get to listenership in Mm -hmm. a minute too. Mm -hmm. But let's go back a bit. Why would somebody want to create a podcast in the first place? There are a number of reasons. I can speak to you from my own experience. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to discuss something that you care about or are passionate about. It gives you the opportunity to connect with an audience very intimately Because typically, if someone is listening to you, they're listening to you because they want to. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't subscribe to your podcast. So you have a listenership that tends to be geared to whatever it is that you're producing or creating. Yes. There's also other reasons. I think it's very individual. For me, it's an opportunity to meet people, to talk to people that I otherwise wouldn't do. It's also an area that's of interest to me because I've always loved audio. Mm -hmm. And it gives me an opportunity to kind of ply my trade in a fun and informative kind of way. Right. For me, it's also very therapeutic. I don't know how many other podcasters would feel that way, but Mm -hmm. uh, therapeutic in the sense that you have an opportunity to discuss things that you might want to discuss socially, but you refrain from doing so simply because you don't want to either burden people or they don't want to hear that particular thing at a social function. Right. <laughs> Whatever the case might be. Okay, so so maybe I, I'm an expert on uh, left-handed kangaroo boots, mm-hmm. and I can't find any information about them on the air, on radio, or any podcasts. Would that be enough for me to say, well, let me start a podcast on left-handed kangaroo boots? If you felt uh, passionate enough about doing it and whether or not you think you could garner an audience. Now, not everybody that creates a podcast necessarily garners a large audience. In fact, it may be only a handful of people. It really depends on what your objective is. Mm -hmm. Are you doing it for the money? Are you doing it for the pleasure of doing it? Are you doing it because you want to engage in a community type Mm -hmm. of situation? Are you doing it because you enjoy the format? There are any number of reasons for starting the podcast. There are many different formats the podcast can take. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's one or two people, could be five or six people, could be on location, could be live, could be Mm pre-recorded. The interesting part about it is is that you have a sort of creative freedom to explore. Mm -hmm. And and then depending on where you want to take it, is it your objective to 
garner a large audience? Are you only catering to a handful of people? Mm -hmm. Are you crossing nations, languages? There's all kinds of things. Basically, what you're doing is you're taking advantage of the technology that's available. Right. And so, very quickly, what is that technology that's available in particular for podcasting? For podcasting, the big factor was mobile devices. Mm -hmm. Now, you still had the standard computers, which, believe it or not, even today, a very large portion of the listening audience still listens to podcasts on their computers. Yes. And now already active, but more so in the future with home speakers that are now becoming quite prevalent and will literally be in every home or almost every home in the next five to 10 years. And in terms of the quantity of podcasts out there, it's astronomical at this point, isn't it? If you think about 7 billion people, mm -hmm. and if you think that everyone has the ability to create a podcast, now I don't know about the quality or the content, but you could fundamentally create one even without any listeners per se. Yep. That's the first thing. The other thing is more than half of them don't get beyond two or three episodes. Right. There's a high attrition rate. Very high attrition rate. One of the reasons is that people don't really understand what's involved in putting together a podcast. Right. And we'll get into that uh, in this podcast as well. The other reason is it's not that easy to sustain a continual source of content. Then, so that brings me to the next question then is how do you sort of choose the theme or the topic or the overarching focus of your podcast? For me, it was simply, what is it that I'm interested in? What is it that I'm fairly knowledgeable in? Or if not that, what am I interested in talking about? Yeah. And what are the reasons behind doing the podcast mm -hmm. and so on? As I said, it's all very unique. And in our case, we're talking art and technology. In other words, we relate all of the issues that we discuss back to those two general areas of life. Right, right? because when I came up with the original idea before I discussed it with you, that's what sort of uh, made me think about doing the podcast is that we came from two very different factions, but we shared a lot of common interests. Yeah. And we overlapped in many areas during the course of knowing each other for a couple of years. And you being more on the artistic end and me in the technological end. However, there's a lot of crossover because I see technology as a road to the arts. Mm -hmm. I use technology as a tool to access the arts. Right. And so we kind of came up with this idea of doing this podcast, co-hosting it, having it about art and technology. And then we thought, how do we name this thing? How important is the name of a podcast? For me, it's very important for a couple of reasons. Number one, you want to make it easy to say and place. Yep. And you want it to be representative of something. Now, our particular podcast, The Sill, to a lot of people, there wouldn't be an immediate connection mm -hmm. to art and technology. But to me, it had a, a specific significance because the sill, as a sill in the window, divides two definitive areas. Exactly. In, in our case, it's art and technology. And now we started with uh, a name prior to that that we discarded. And the name was Tongue and Groove. Tongue and Groove. Tongue and Groove, which we really dug. But then after a while, we thought there's an innuendo here. Right, right, right. A right, sexual right. innuendo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I still think it was a catchy uh, It is. Catchy name. Somebody else out there is going to take that title. You yeah, watch. yeah. I like the sill just as much for different reasons. So yeah. that's how we came to that. And the other thing, too, was to connect everything to that. So a name that was simple, relatively short. Yeah. When I was thinking about the podcast, having had experience with audio and production prior to and my experience with computer software and knowing how things work, the creation of websites, et cetera, et cetera, 
I knew that it was very important to create something in the beginning that's not only easier in the beginning, but continues to be easier all along the way. For example, the artwork. Yeah, I was going to say the logo. The logo. You have to make it so that it's readable, even at a very small size. You have to make it so that even if it's in black and white, it still makes sense. Yeah. So that's how these things came about. Although it may seem simple, there was a lot of thinking that went into creating the entire concept, the logo, and so on. Yeah. So here's a brief view of podcasting in less than three minutes. Podcast listening is consistently growing in all age groups, with nearly 80% of people saying they listen to podcasts to learn new things. Most people prefer to listen to podcasts at home, about 50%, while 22% say they also listen while driving, 11% listen to while they're at work, and only 4% say they listen while they're on board a public transport vehicle. The primary reason for the success of podcasting is the convenience and the worldwide access to information on every imaginable topic, with the option of not having to sit in front of a screen while doing your daily work, driving, running, cooking, and more. There are currently more than 2 million podcasts indexed on Google, of which about half, or about 1 million, are active podcasts, with a total of about 30 million podcast episodes and content in more than 100 languages. That's almost double where these respective stats were in 2018. About a third of the U.S. are over 100 million people, and about a third of the Canadian population of 12 million people listen to podcasts every month. Europe and Australia are fast approaching those percentages, and Latin America and Asia are surging exponentially. There are presently about 425 million podcast listeners worldwide, or about one out of every five people using the internet. Two out of three podcast listeners are between 18 and 45, nearly evenly split between male and female listeners, and tend to be both more educated and affluent. An interesting side note here is that one in four people over 55 are now listening to podcasts which is a significant increase from about 1 in 14 just 4 or 5 years ago. The majority of podcasts are consumed on smartphones, less so on tablets and personal computers, and consumption is increasing on smart speakers as the adoption of these speakers continues to rise. On a global level, society and culture tends to be the most popular podcasting genre, followed by business, comedy, news and politics, and health with Spotify still the number one audio streaming service and Apple and YouTube presently being the two most serious contenders. A couple of other quick points. 65% of monthly podcast listeners have been listening to podcasts for less than three years. And the Joe Rogan experience on Spotify was the most popular podcast of 2021 and continues to be as of this recording, with each episode drawing an estimated 11 million people. Now I'm this left-handed kangaroo boots guy who wants to start a podcast. I've got a name for it. Mm -hmm. I've got a logo, whatever. What do I need, technically speaking, in terms of a studio? Do I need a studio even to do a proper podcast? 
Well, once you've created a name and you're ready to begin the recording process, there are some basics you should be looking at. Now, there's all kinds of opinions out there as to what you should have. Some people spend an inordinate amount of time on getting all the best equipment and so on. To me, that's not the most critical part. The most critical part is formulating your content and being able to deliver the content. Once you've done that, then the most important thing you'll have in your hands is an actual microphone. Mm-hmm. Just a small caveat on this, because people think that a great microphone is all that they need. Actually, the environment that you record in is more important than the actual microphone. A lot of people that begin this process don't understand that. You can have a very, very good microphone, even a $1,000 plus microphone. But if you're recording in a room that has a lot of reverberation, echo, hard surfaces, it will still sound lousy. Right. If you use a mediocre, even low-quality microphone in a properly acoustically treated room, and by acoustic treatment, I don't mean going out and spending tens of thousands of dollars, although you could if you like to. Yeah, and what we've done here, what you've done in this studio of yours, this office, is to create a kind of a makeshift baffling technique where you've laid this quilt over top of the lights that light up the interior of this mini little studio. And there's a a quilt on the table in front of us as well Mm -hmm. to stop the sound from bouncing off of hard surfaces. And it works beautifully without any need for expensive baffling or an actual studio studio. Right. And I did that also because I need the portability. I need to be able to take this down and put it back up in a few minutes, and I can. Right. The idea is to create a barrier between me and the walls. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to soften the sound. And I also wanted to retain some of the naturalness of it because you can overdo it on the acoustic treatment too. So it sounds extremely dead. Yeah, right. The balance there. And it helps when you understand some fundamentals about sound. But you don't have to be a technologist. You don't have to be a genius about recording. But you do need to know some basics. Mm -hmm. The microphone, how it's used as well. So in terms of where you speak. Things like sibilance, mm-hmm. popping sounds. When I'm saying a P, you notice that it's not popping all over the microphone. Well, partly is you're not speaking directly into the mic, but just below it or just above it. That's the first thing. The second thing is knowing your distances and knowing the type of mic that you're using. Now, we're using an SM58 here, which is a dynamic mic, which is quite forgiving. If I was using a condenser mic, which I do use sometimes, if I dropped literally a pin on the floor, it would pick it up. And for example, condenser mics are great for very high quality, pristine recordings, but you need a really tight studio environment if you want to maximize the value of the sound that you get from a condenser mic, Mm -hmm. which are typically designed for studio use. All the big musicians and so on, when they're going to recording studios, they will use condenser mics on stage. They'll use dynamic mics because they're tougher, they're less sensitive. And they're better for that environment. Right. We're recording directly into what here? I've hooked these microphones into a mixer and divided the two microphones into separate channels. And then the mixer feeds into the computer and there's software operating on the computer that receives the signal, which gives me the raw recording, Mm -hmm. which I then edit once we're done. And what's the software that we're using for that? I'm using Adobe Edition. Uh, I've also used Hindenburg at times. There's free software available like Audacity, which is very commonly used. Mm -hmm. Again, it depends on how you work. I prefer to spend a little bit of time and even money on things that are easier to use simply because I know I'm going to use them over and over again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like to be able to work on 
the creative aspect, not the technical. And obviously with lower end software, it's not quite as easy to work with. Again, is a personal choice. Right, right. Okay, so let's say I've got my equipment in place. I'm about ready to launch into my first podcast. How do I know how long I should be speaking for? How long should the podcast last? That's a very common question. And when I first began this, my mind said, keep it short. And when I say short, 20 minutes or less. But now I really believe that it's more of what you're talking about and what you have to say and whether you need to restrict that or not. I think that the duration of the podcast should be dependent on the content, subject matter and flow. If you are not just adding things for the sake of adding them, right. it will find its own kind of natural beginning and end. Right. The average podcast length measured varies somewhere between 40 and 50 minutes. In fact, the top 100 podcasts right now, I think the average is 53 minutes. That's right. I just read that too. But again, I also look at it from a commuting standpoint mm -hmm. and their listening span. Believe it or not, the average person generally loses interest after seven or eight minutes. So even when you're doing a 20, 30 minute podcast, if you don't break it up with something, right, either a change of topic or flavor or tempo, people tend to get fatigued by it. Yeah. In some cases, they break it up with ads, too. Mm -hmm. What do you think about uh, advertising and podcasting? Should people think about that from the beginning or after they've established themselves as a podcaster for a while? My objective from day one was never to put advertising within the podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't like when I get it on other podcasts, but I also understand that realistically, people have to earn a living. And this is the type of work that requires a lot more time than most people think if you want to do it well. As you and I have discussed, this 20, 30-minute podcast, when you include all the discussions, warm-ups, whatever, even though we ad-lib this podcast, collectively, we spend six to eight hours because then there's the editing process, which is much longer than the recording process. Right. So I was just going to get to that now. So we've done our podcast. We've recorded it. We've hit stop. <laughs> now the podcast is in that software on the computer. Mm -hmm. What do you have to do next with it? I typically go review what's recorded. I begin the process by trying to figure out what elements I'm going to place where. Typically, we're very good at flow, so I rarely have to change the order of anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there are extraneous pieces that need to be tidied up or removed. Then there's the other elements that we add in. We have an intro, we have an outro. These are all elements that have to be tied together. So the placement, the timing of them, all these elements have to come into play to create the final podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I read one article that said uh, how important editing is. If you have 100,000 listeners and you edit one minute of superfluous material out of your mm -hmm. podcast, you've saved 100,000 human minutes yeah. for people. And that that's not a small thing. Because right. people's mm -hmm. lives are limited, right? So yeah. the less you can waste of it, the better. Yeah. And right? sometimes that's difficult to decide on because you're doing the editing. No one else is. So yeah. what you think is important and what the listener thinks is important isn't always Right. Consistent. But you know over a period of time whether listeners are still listening or whether they're falling off and you correct yourself accordingly. Okay. So there's the editing of content and then there's the shaping and reconfiguring of the audio signal itself. Can yes. you say what are the elements of that that you look at and adjust as you process it? No, that's a critical part that novices don't really get, mm -hmm. at least in the beginning. But don't ever let that stop you from doing it because that's also part of the learning process. But there are some basic things like audio levels. In simple terms, 
if I'm listening to one podcast and it goes to the next one, I don't want to be adjusting my volume knob. Right. And this is a common problem with people that don't have experience with audio. Then there's artifacts, noises, backgrounds, air conditioners, doors slamming, dogs barking, mm. all these things. And this goes to what we talked about in the beginning about having a proper recording space, which is very, very important. Yep. Then understanding some basics. For example, when we're recording, I may adjust the gain mm. on the microphone a little bit differently depending on who I'm speaking to. Right. It's about consistency. I'm mm. not going to get into all the technical aspects of it, but it's about maintaining a consistent signal. What's the next step? But what's an RSS feed that I read about? It's like an address mm -hmm. for your particular file. So oh. these systems pick up that address, iTunes or Google Play. They use an RSS feed, and that's all in your coding and your what you call meta tagging. Meta tagging is supplying all the information for that particular file, mm -hmm. which gives the title, the image, and so on. When you go into a subscribe channel, you see the logo, you see that it comes in every week, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but where do you get the RSS feed from? Right? How does it well, happen? De depending on where you're hosting, for example, we host with Spreaker. Okay. Spreaker provides me with the outline, then I just fill in the information specific to our particular podcast. And that's what the feed is. And it's Spreaker will do that as part of the hosting service. They will then allow the okay. feed to be distributed. Right? Yep. That's also important knowing that aspect of it, because once you've finished the file, you need to know what to do with it. Right. Even placing it on the internet, you should have a website. If you're serious about podcasting, you don't have to have, but having a dedicated website is probably a very good idea. Right. And also, if you can get the website to be the same name as your podcast, even better. Mm -hmm. Because again, you want to make it simple. Right? Yep. And then the information that you include, for example, I tag every podcast with specific tags. If someone is doing a search mm -hmm. on a particular subject, chances are they're going to hit that podcast or at least be alerted to its existence. Right. But just rolling the tape back a second, mm -hmm. before the RSS, what kind of format should the audio file be in to be uploaded to these places? Yes, we missed that step. Thanks for pointing that out. Mm -hmm. The most common and pretty much accepted form is MP3. Okay. And what an MP3 does is it greatly reduces your original WAV file so that it makes it more easily distributed or makes it more efficient in terms of bandwidth. So each file requires a certain amount of space. Yep. So MP3 is the standard format. There may be others that might be created going forward, but right now that's the recognized format. Mm -hmm. And then you've got other considerations, whether you want it to be a stereo file or a monofile, and the quality. Generally speaking, monofiles, 64 kilobytes, and stereophiles, 128 kilobytes. I'm not going to get into all the explanation because that's not that important because these things now, you just point to the numbers and it'll do it for you even if you don't understand what's actually happening. Right. The point is you're making this file manageable and easy to circulate and not taking up a lot of bandwidth without reducing the quality significantly. Right. Right. So now it's uploaded to a host like Spreaker mm -hmm. or what have you. I'm a self-published author myself, and I'm responsible for all the promotion and marketing for my books. Mm -hmm. Is it the same for podcasters? Essentially, with podcasting, like any other format, you're going to employ social media, perhaps. Most people do. It'll be Twitter, Facebook. Word of mouth is fairly important, especially if you're dealing uh, with a local market. It depends what your objectives are in terms sure. of where you want this podcast 
to be heard or played. Right. But standard social media, and then, of course, there are things you can do depending on the level of seriousness. You can speak publicly about it. You can do presentations. A great way to do it is to get hosted by other podcasters. Right. Or create business cards, which we've done, which we hand out to people. Yeah, business which make, card. Which makes it easier than having them write down the website to access it. We just hand them a card with the website address on it that they can just... Keep it really simple. Yeah. There are many, many methods, and you can research all types of marketing. That's a whole subject in itself. This whole procedure is how do people know... That you exist. Absolutely. And then there's also the idea of having a particular app that can go onto your smartphone, for example, from Spreaker that automatically uploads and reminds you there's a new episode. Yes. Now, Spreaker does, like a lot of the big name hosting companies have, their own specific app. And you do a search and you say, the SIL podcast. It will come up. Mm -hmm. Then you click on it. If you want to subscribe from that point on, you never have to do a thing. It will automatically be downloaded to your phone every week. Cool. Which brings me to a question which really should have come up a lot earlier, which Mm -hmm. is every week, every month, every two months, how often is a kind of an ideal rhythm for a podcast? What seems to be the most popular is once a week. Mm -hmm. However, there are ones that go daily. There are ones that go every two weeks, sometimes once a month. Typically, the more frequent the podcast, the shorter the podcast. Uh-huh, of course. Right? Which makes sense. Which makes sense, yeah. But the importance of that time frame is not just understanding how frequently you're going to podcast, but to maintain it. Well, yeah, and that's also to do with the resources you have at hand, right? For mm-hmm. us, it's the two of us, essentially, plus what we bring to it, the research we do in advance and the talking we do in advance of each podcast, the mm-hmm. sense of the flow of it that we establish. We often establish how the podcast will open first, mm-hmm. and that leads us into the flow of it quite nicely. So, And then also establishing any sort of uh, extras. And where we differ is we do not outsource anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do everything ourselves from right. the creation to the recording to the logos to the uploading maintenance to the website. And it should be mentioned, too, that we're not just doing the podcast all week and working on the podcast. You are a freelancer as well. And so if you're thinking about doing a podcast, don't think that your entire life has to be set aside for the podcast. Mm-hmm. You can do it sort of part time if you like. Yeah, but it does require a certain dedication, and it's very, very easy, as the statistics indicate, Mm -hmm. for you to fall off. Sure, Uh, like almost half don't last beyond three or four podcasts. In fact, many don't get past one. Right. Uh, One last question. Sure. We talked about podcasting being in a kind of Wild West situation Mm -hmm. at this point, which means there's a fair bit of freedom to do many things on podcasts that aren't being done on radio. But is there a responsibility still for the hosts of podcasts to be aware of community standards, for example, and to watch language and watch racism and sexism and all the isms that are looked down upon right now? Is that an important element? I think it is. Being courteous, understanding and respecting people and situations. There aren't anywhere near the restrictions that you have with standard media. The podcasters themselves are looking to other podcasters to formulate some kind of a plan or governing body so that we do improve the standards of podcasting. And by standards, I don't mean that you have to be a perfect voice or the perfect podcast. I'm talking about language. Yes. 
using the F word sparingly, yeah, no, only if necessary. Yeah, but that's one of the beauties of podcasting, <laughs> though, because the standard medium it can be extremely tight. The odd profanity or the odd word, when used appropriately, sometimes can enhance a discussion. It's, sure. it's gratuitous use that typically degrades. Right. But right? you won't find even sporadic use of that word on normal radio, will you? Mm-hmm. It's beeped out. Usually. Yeah. But this is more like public service broadcasting where the restrictions are less. I also think that's one of the reasons why it's gained in popularity because it's honest. Yeah. Yeah. Or tends to be honest. What I've learned from doing this, if you want to get the best of others, you have to be willing to give the best of yourself. And if, if you're closed, resisting any kind of vulnerability, right. you're going to limit what the other person is willing to give you. You're going to make me cry here. <laughs> you're going to make me cry. <laughs> uh, but know, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, and it, <laughs> being authentic is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I really feel uh, like know. I'm being authentic on here. I don't have to put on. And besides which, I didn't say this in the beginning of the podcast. My son and my granddaughter. My granddaughter was very significant in my wanting to start this podcast. Hmm. So... I won't uh, belabor that one. But, uh... You're going to make me cry again. <laughs> anyway. So listen, anybody out there, yeah. that was your Podcasting 101. Mm. Thank you for listening to this. I hope you got something out of it. Mm. If you did, or if you didn't, send us a, a little note. Yeah. Uh, we have an audio commentary button on our website. Send us a note. Tell us how we did. And uh... In fact, Terry, I just want to say that if you're sitting there listening right now with your iPad or your iPhone, with a swipe of your finger, you can listen to the podcast. You can access all of our episodes and leave a voicemail, if you wish, with a simple touch of a button. And that's how easy it is to do podcasting, folks. Well, <laughs> the easier it is for you to do, the more work went into making it. <laughs> the magic behind the magic. Right, right. All right. Thanks, Peter. Oh, thank you, Harry. Ciao. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.